This is My Years Through My Ears, a series about influential songs that have shaped influential lives. Each guest breaks down the soundtrack to their life story, picking the most personally impactful songs to represent each chapter along the way. My name is Andres Tardio, and today's guest is Debbie Brown. She is the Chief Impact Officer at Chopra, the founder of Karma Bliss, the host of the Dropping Gems podcast, a radio legend, a great friend, a wonderful mother. She's also an author, a seeker, a guide, a gem, an educator, and her story is an inspirational one, proving what can happen when you follow your heart and chase your passions with a purpose and precision, even when the road is hard, never giving up. What's going on, Debbie? How are you? I am so excited for this and nervous. <laughs> no need to be nervous. No need to be nervous. Before we even get into the playlist that you created, which I love, right. before we even get into that, I want to go back to the early, early childhood. Little Debbie, what were some of your earliest memories with music? So many. You know, I grew up in a really great era. I grew up in kind of like the diamond era. But then even the way we hear music, right, I think in terms of radio programming, because especially as a younger person growing up in Los Angeles, you know, so much of that part of my life was also spent in traffic, um, <laughs> driving, you know, to right. school, going to and from. And so my relationship with song storytelling on the radio is kind of how I remember my young years. It was a lot of Tupac. It was whatever my mom was into at the time, which was really like more of that easy listening, like that Coast 103 in LA vibe or K-Earth vibe, some country. And then through my auntie and other family members and myself, it was more of the very on-trend hip-hop from your Power 106s and your, your 92.3 beats and yeah. <laughs> This playlist really starts with the preteens. You gave me six songs because Debbie is an overachiever. <laughs> she gave me six songs instead of two, but I'm going to have her break down two songs. And I, you know what, Andres? I gotta say, you stressed me out, homie. Like you really stressed me out with this because you and me in general have such like expansive conversations about the importance of music and the storytelling in music and, and the transcendence in music. And so it's like, for someone like you to ask me for songs, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, where, do, how do I even approach this? Is he tricking me? Like, what is he looking for? No. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was such a, it was so much fun though, you know? And I think that really I think so many of us are are influenced in such a multitude of ways that we don't even realize till we sit down and kind of make that list. And so, yeah, I gave you six songs for each time period. And then I told you, dealer's choice, you pick. And then I said, no, th this is not a pop quiz. This is self-expression. And so you're going to pick. So let's start with the preteens. What is the first song that you pick to represent your preteens? Oh, my God gotta be Desiree. Oh, you know, that song to me, it was just, 
it was a few things. One, she was just this gorgeous Black woman with such an amazing voice. And I, I remember that album cover like it was yesterday. And I remember the words of that song. I had just never heard anything like it. And it's even interesting to look back at that because as I kind of explore myself and the way my life has unfolded in the field that I work in, I have always been so, so fascinated by, intrigued by, drawn to transformation or what are the tools to get there. And so, you know, I didn't have that language as a young person, but I remember hearing that song, you got to be bad, you got to be bold, you got to be wiser. Going through each one of those things, it, it was a song of affirmation. At that time, I didn't even know what all of that meant, but it, it felt so powerful inside of me as I sang along, as I heard it. So I remember I saved up, I got that cassette, I listened to it over and over and over again. I think that was really like my first connection to affirmation, my first connection to speaking life over yourself in such a powerful and positive way. That is so beautiful because I know you've helped a lot of people discover affirmations. Uh, <laughs> and I know you inspire others to do affirmations with themselves, with their children. And so the fact that this could be the first song and kind of your introduction, who introduced Debbie to affirmations? Oh, it's got to be. Right. What is your favorite affirmation from the track? You know, I really love the chorus when I think, all I know, all I know, love will save the day. You know, sorry, my singing, but. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right, what is your second song for the preteens? The second song that I'm going to say, but I also want to give honorable mention to the others, but the second song that I decided I want to go with is Ain't No Fun, Snoop Dogg and Co. You know, I chose this song because this song was a hit in my preteens, right? It was a smash. It was the emergence of a completely new era in hip hop, but specifically like this elevation of the West Coast in a way that had just never been done before. And the reason I chose this song is because now as a grown woman talking about it, for me, it's really sobering because I'm also understanding the depth of power of music as a facilitator of how we feel about ourselves and how we learn about life, you know? And so at that age, I heard that song and I didn't know what any of that meant, right? Like I understood in the concept or excuse me, in the construct of how society had portrayed male and female relationships or things I had seen in, you know, the movies at the time or had been hearing in music and I remember as a young person, and even as an early adult, you hear that song and there's nostalgia to it. It is so catchy. So yeah, I knew every word about that. I knew exactly what corrupted when he gave a fuck about a hoe, you know? Like I knew everything and sang it with ease and didn't think twice about it. As I look at that, you know, it also brings out a lot of conflict I have with the music that I grew up on. It brings out for me a lot of conflict I had as a radio personality in the music I played and the music that I had to have a level of enthusiasm for and the music 
that I learned by heart without really even trying or wanting to, that just kind of plays as a loop in your head, you know? So I chose that song because as a young person, it was so fun to learn and to wrap it along. Like there was this pride in knowing a song by heart from start to finish. You know, each person on that record is an iconic figure in hip hop especially LA hip hop, right? And they all have really unique voices and like a very specific kind of cadence that made it even more fun to rap along to. I caught myself a couple years ago, that song happened to come on and without thinking, I rapped the lyrics and I just sat there and I said, wow, wow, I can't believe I said this to myself over and over again as a girl, as a young woman. I can't believe that men would speak these words aloud and shape the consciousness of young people in this way. And I know that they were only operating out of what they knew at the time. You know, our collective consciousness has shifted and elevated dramatically as it should, as it always does over time. And so the things that were acceptable then are absolutely not now. But, you know, it it was just really interesting to look at for me, the effect that the music we play does have on shaping us. And whether or not I want to, you know, I even want to admit it or not, whether or not any of us do, it does shape the way that we experience relationships, the way we experience ourselves. Okay, so when you look back at Gotta Be and Ain't No Fun, mm-hmm. What do you think they say about the preteen years for you? What were you experiencing at that point in your life? It really represents the duality, right? It represents the experience of having this piece of you that is being programmed and then having this other piece of you that is a seeker, that is like finding inspiration in music, that is finding this access to self and to this new new ideas and concepts It's like, what is societal programming and what is like a sign of the times? And then what is the music that actually like really feeds and sustains you and helps shape your personality? Let's get into the early teens. What was the first song you picked to represent your early teens? Let's lead off with Baby Don't Cry, Tupac and the Outlaws. Tupac is one of the greatest teachers and creative forces of my life. Tupac had a profound effect on my existence. So I know everything Tupac by heart, all of it. Tupac and the Outlaws, like I feel like is such an underrated project. It is one of my favorite albums. (laughs) I listen to it all the time now. And for me, and, you know, Tupac was such a, you know, speaking of duality, like he was such a representation of that. And he was so young. And in, in some facets of that youth, he was incredibly wise and deep, like just so far surpassing what is really possible for that age. In other ways, you know, he was very much misled in certain ways and, you know, like connected to the misogyny of the time and being a young man in his life experiences. But for me, what I connected to so much in his music was just his activism, the revolutionary nature of how he expressed himself. And then also like his real, 
you know, it's interesting because as many of his records do have misogyny and as much of, you know, even his life story contains so many things that are being looked at under a different lens now, there was also such a deep love for women that permeated his work. There was really this reverence for women, this desire for women to be safe and seen and protected and healed, you know, and like that song, Baby Don't Cry, like it, it touched on so much. It touched on so much about the experience to be a young woman in the world in certain environments, you know, and then there was again, that affirmation, this, the ethos of keep your head up, the baby don't cry, like the finding your inner strength, your inner resolve, in spite of anything that happens to you, any challenge on your path. So I just remember that song and that album in general, just feeling really expansive for me. On that album was also like Dear Mr. President. And there were all these songs that were speaking to social and societal issues at the time in a way that just was not presented in front of me like that. I didn't have that lens. I didn't even have access to understand much of what was happening in the world at that time in any meaningful way. But on that album, I feel like I got connected to understanding some of the deeper themes of society, um, but also getting that affirmation. One of the verses on there, you know, it's verse about, about being treated incorrectly by the people in your life, by being mishandled, you know, that themes of rape and abuse and themes of abandonment and betrayal. And it's just like, it's teaching you empathy. It's giving you a look at what is the deeper feeling that person could be going through who is in an environment like that, who is experiencing a situation like that. What was the second song that you picked for your early teens? If you stay ready, Sugar Free. Sugar Free, the pimp. I'm such a lover of LA hip hop, like such a lover. I, I'm so, I feel so grateful to have come of age to connect to music in a moment in time that was also LA's like most successful run, just most insane, iconic run. And Sugar Free, like to me, represented this unique, just such a unique and specific kind of sound and experience. There is nothing like it. There is no one that sounds like Sugar Free. And especially at that time, you know, he had Quick's production. Quick is a master legend. He is a national treasure. Hearing those two unique, rare sounds together was just like, it was just unreal as a young person. There was no melody like this. There was no creation like this. And so, yeah, when Sugar Free, you know, for anybody listening that's not in LA, you may not be fully aware, but in LA, like, I mean, he's Sugar Free. And he speaks to a very specific experience, right? Like all of his songs are about his experience as a pimp and his experience with women, which, you know, another really leading back to, you know, my sentiments on Ain't No Fun. It's like looking through that through the lens now, it's so interesting to observe and explore how that shaped some of my thoughts. But yeah, I mean, that song is a bop. And I remember the video like it was yesterday, iconic, you know, and it even speaks to the power of LA radio at the time. I think about like a 92.3, The Beat, 
and you think of the iconic Theo and his voice and he was in the video. It was just like, it, it was just such an LA pride kind of video and song. And it just felt so, and I keep saying this word, but just so uniquely our own. Like this was so special and it's like, oh, you don't know about this or you don't even know what's being said if you're from somewhere else. It just felt like ours. So when you look at Baby Don't Cry and If You Stay Ready and, and you look back at your early teens, I know you said that to prepare for this, you were also looking at photos mm-hmm. from from different parts of your life. So when you look back at your early teens, what was life like for you? What were you experiencing at that point? That was like, I think, eighth grade to the middle of high school. You're finding where you belong. You're just starting to dabble with what your style is in a multitude of ways. Like, what is my style of music? What is my style of dress? What do I like? What are my interests, you know? So it's really such a beautiful time of overall discovery and feeling really passionate about music and feeling really passionate about your generation. You know, I I remember that. What were you like then at that point? You know, I had moved around a lot. So I think even in that three-year time span, I had gone to three different schools. And so I just remember everything had this sense of, as much with that age, of just newness, of it being seen for the first time, of you beginning to have, you know, the look into what is my individual life look like? You know, that is really the very beginning, the tiptoeing into some levels of like larger independence of me playing music for myself because I have a radio now. I don't have to just listen to what my parents listen to. You know, you're just, you're beginning to develop and have your own taste. Coming of age. We're getting into the late teens, the coming of age years. What was the first song you picked to represent this time period? Coming of age, I think I'm going to lead with It's Your World, Parts 1, Part 2, Pops Reprise, Common B album. It's funny because my podcast intro is actually 100% influenced by this song. This song is really special to me. I remember I was in college. I think it was my freshman year. I don't remember, but I, I was young. I was definitely like under still under 20, I believe. I was doing summer school at a community college and it was really far. And I had to drive, like my drive, it would be like a little over an hour each way. And I would just listen to the B album. So I would start at track one and I would get to where I was going by the last track. This album was such a significant soundtrack to my life. That song was just very expansive. You know, even at the end and even in some of the funny things that is said in the spoken word at the end, you know, it's like, be grateful that you're the best swimmer amongst 500,000. He is talking about sperm, you know? (laughs) Right, right. It was so perspective shifting. And, And also at that age that I was listening to that, that is really when 
you are becoming an adult. And so with that, you're also exploring any limiting beliefs that you might have. You're exploring your childhood programming. You're beginning to glimpse and look at how do I see the world, you know? And I remember I would listen to that song and I would listen to that, that piece at the end. And it just inspired me to think more deeply about things and to really start to look at, you know, what is, what is my mantra? You know, like, what are my pillars? What are my roots? What Mm -hmm. is my value system? What am I grateful for? Oh, wow. You know, like out of 500,000, oh, I'm meant to be here. You know, it's like, it just started turning the wheels in that kind of way. And it was, it was really powerful for me. You know, at that time I was in school and when you're in college, that is when you really begin to build or deepen your foundation and what you stand for, what you believe in, you're exploring. So I remember going to rallies constantly at that time. I remember at that time going to different protests. I remember that was around the time that Tookie Williams was set to be executed. I remember marching for him down Wilshire with a sign in hand. It reminds me so much of me being in that time, me beginning to look at and observe and discover what do I stand for? What do I believe in? What is right and wrong in my value system? All right. What is the second song that you picked for your coming of age? I'm going to go with My Immortal by Evanescence. It was one of the biggest songs in the world at the time. You could hear it twice in an hour on the radio station, which in radio terms is like insane. And I remember every day I was in my dorm, I would get ready for classes and I would turn on the TV and music videos would be playing. And every day this video would be the first thing on when I turned on the TV. Yeah, this was a really difficult song for me. Um, One of my best friends, um, this is the year one of my best friends was murdered. And this was the soundtrack of the time at that time. And so for me, this song is so woven into like my grief of that moment and the lyrics and the words. And I think the thing that connected me most to this song and why I included it on this playlist was it really spoke to me the power of music as a tool for grieving and for healing and for experiencing yourself. Like for me, this really illustrated giving words, giving language to something that you don't have words for. You know, at that age, I like I had lost grandparents. I had never lost someone my own age. You know, it, I remember spiraling into this internal conversation around my own mortality and around the worth of life. And I was, it's a really young age to be having that conversation with yourself. And I think it, it also speaks to the experience that you have depending on where you're from and who you know, and loss is one thing, like murder is different. It's, it's such a different kind of loss especially the murder of a young person. My friend, his name was Dwayne Winfield. He was a gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful, 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 beautiful person and friend. And I just remember reckoning with death at the time. 
and, and not even understanding how to give words to what that loss really felt like or meant in my life or how it would change the trajectory of how I experienced myself and other people. So I actually can't listen to that song <laughs> anymore, but at that time, and for a couple of years, it's a song I've listened to on repeat every day. Thank you for, for sharing that, because I do think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. And this song does speak to that in, in a really powerful way. These wounds won't seem to heal. The pain is just too real. There's too much that time cannot erase. God, right now this is even, oh, this is bringing to mind. You know, when you're when you're walking through something, sometimes you'll create even like a mini playlist for yourself. It might be three songs and you just listen to that three in a row. But I remember at that time also, I'd play that song and then um, this is so, this is a little random. There was this like B-side record on Ashanti's first album. And she had a song for her grandfather that was this beautiful acapella called Thank You. Oh my God, her voice in that song, it's gorgeous. And I would listen to that song. And then I would listen to Tupac, Teardrops and Close Caskets. And those three songs are how I grieved for, for a couple years, yeah. Let's get into the 20s. What is the first song that you picked for your 20s? Now, this was by far the hardest category, the hardest category. My entire 20s, I worked in the music industry. My entire 20s, in some level, I worked in radio. Either, you know, at the top of my 20s, I worked in underground hip hop right before LA came back on the scene and we had our resurgence. And so there's so many songs that are tied like deeply tied to my experience then, especially as it relates to mixtapes. But then also, you know, by the end of my 20s, I was like deep and already kind of an old head in the radio industry. And like, there were so many hits at the time that come to mind or special experiences at different album release parties or intimate listening parties or shows. So this... I don't even, like, I give up on the 20s. Any of the two songs that I share with you coming forward in this section are not an adequate representation. I need a list. I'm going to start with All I Want Is You, Miguel featuring J. Cole. That was such, such a big song for me in my life, just being a young person, dating at the time, and, like, just really relating to, like, this song. You know, that is when you're really letting the songs do the talking for your feelings. And, you know, you're, you're like, yeah, like, that's exactly how I feel. Like, sing it, say it. But then on the flip side of that, that was, that was before Miguel really like transcended into the star that he is now. And he was just, not just, but he was, you know, local, a local LA star. And I think he had just started going by Miguel before he was like Miguel Jante. And we were in contact a lot at that time around these songs. I was the first person to play this song on the radio, on FM radio. And so I was so passionate about it succeeding, especially because I'm like, oh my God, yo, y'all got to be up on this dude, Miguel, y'all got to be up on this dude, J. Cole. And then the two of them together on this song, you know, it was like this cool connection between R&B and hip hop at the time. It, it was just such a beautiful moment in time. And that song encapsulates so much of my experience. 
What is the second song that you picked for your 20s? As much as I want to say Hustle in the House by Nipsey Hussle, because Bullets Ain't Got No Name Volume 2 was my soundtrack to my life. And I love talking about Nip. I'm going to go with Diamonds Rihanna. That record. Wow. I remember at that time, it's just like, where is this girl going to go next? You know, like just in the industry, it was just like, whoa, she's a phenom. She created this new blueprint of what it was to be a woman powerhouse, a young woman star. She just recreated the mold. She owned herself. She really stood in her power. It just changed everything. Even even the way in which female sexuality was observed or treated at the time, you know, she really created something that had never been. You know, something I love about Rihanna that she does this day, I even think about the record she did with like Paul McCartney and Kanye, like she has so much range and I love her playfulness with like an intention with exploring new ways to share her gift. And this song to me really represented that. Like she had already crossed over and been like mainstream, right? Her records could be played anywhere and for anyone, but coming on that track, like shine bright like a diamond. I remember the first time hearing that being like, what? You got on a track like that? And at that time I had just moved to New York and I was living in the middle of Manhattan and I had just started working with Sway on the morning show. I had just started working at MTV. It was a whole new world for me. I was having, you know, this very big experience in the biggest city in the world. And that was the song that I would listen to on repeat on the subway going to work in the morning. And so that to me is just this very specific moment in time of my own evolution and expansion as a person and just the newness. Like I remember the smells at the time in New York. I remember the dampness walking down the stairs into the subway as I listened to that song. I remember like the smell of the office buildings and the lobbies and going, you know, on all these massive elevators. And it just, yeah, it was, it was a really special time. Talk to me about your 20s. What were your 20s like? How did the 20s evolve? And then where do we leave off before we get into the 30s? The 20s are so vast. I feel like I have lived 25 lifetimes. I had a really unique 20s. Even just being a girl from LA, you know, and the, and the kind of worldview that that gives you, at least with my background, like I had a really, really eclectic upbringing that was a true mix of experiences. And I'm an only child raised by a single parent. So I've always just been inside my own head and body so much. What I think of when I look back at my 20s right now, it really illustrates to me, like I'm in a really good groove right now in my life. Like I feel like I'm in a really good groove of knowing my power, owning my power, having a a really expansive relationship with God, having the ability to like just really be led by my mission and my values and manifest things for my highest good. But when I look back at my 20s, I had all of that. I just didn't realize it. You know, even even when I think about that move to New York that I mentioned with Diamonds, it's like, that was a massive jump. 
you know, like I've been doing radio in LA and I had also done radio in Houston for about 11 months. And then I had, I, I remember I wrote on my vision board when I first moved to Houston, I said to myself, you'll only be here a year because there's something else. And I remember even approaching that year, even though I, I loved the radio show that I was doing and I had a, oh my God, did I have fun. I still knew that that year was training ground for me and it was a masterclass in discomfort. And I was 25 at the time. I remember I wrote on my vision board. I just started writing stuff. I was like, we'll have radio show on Sirius. We'll work for MTV. We'll have this. We'll have that. I literally just wrote it all down and I put it up. And then I, I focused on the task at hand, which is what, you know, that year was going to look like for me. And just the, the serendipity and the synchronicity, it hadn't even been a year since I put that on my vision board and really visualized my life that powerfully. And I got a job co-hosting a morning show on Sirius. And immediately afterwards, I got a job being the lead host on an MTV show. I didn't really even believe it when I wrote it, you know? <laughs> And then it happened. And then also, you know, there was so much learning in that and life pivoted. But I love that you that we're even talking about this right now, because I was thinking about it this week. And I said, you know, it's always available to us, mm-hmm. our highest vision for ourselves, our most complete healing, it's all always available to us. But we don't always remember that we have the power or the ability to access that. And so I think my thirties for me really represented coming in and out of that power, you know, coming into this space of having this like really like beautiful internal compass and then forgetting and then finding it and then forgetting and then finding it and then really forgetting and being a mess. You know, that was, that was kind of my twenties, like glimpsing greatness, being a little messy, greatness, messy, greatness, messy. You have this incredible 20s where you're going back and forth on these things, but some really um, incredible things are happening in your life and it feels like the foundation for what's to come. Take me through the first song that you picked to represent your 30s. Okay. To represent my 30s. Oh my God. And I'm a few years deep into my 30s. And this even feels like it's outdated already looking at this list. Like it's already like, no, this isn't. Yeah. Okay. First song of my thirties, God, Kendrick Lamar, this song, but also just Kendrick, you know, like also just Kendrick, this entire album to me, I mean, all of Kendrick's albums have been standalone masterpieces, you know, and I think as time passes, like we'll evaluate them even more and will will deepen our connection to them but it's just it's just irrefutable like every project he's made every project it's a classic it's a classic project even if you're not a fan of Kendrick even if you're not a fan of the west coast or the subject matter they're classic projects you know but this project specifically the damn album it's just an iconic body of work to me it just really is and i think also where I was in my life, the way I connected to each song, like each record that played to me represented like mastery and transcendence. And I remember that when it launched, I believe it was like the same week or in the same time area of his Coachella performance. And I went to that performance and I remember, 
I only had like a week, but I was like, I'm about to learn this whole album by heart this week because I will rap all of it when I get to Coachella. And that song, it just, I mean, I just love God so much. And so anything with God or his name or, you know, connection, my soul runs to it just, it just took my breath away that song. And I remember it made me cry. The very first time I heard it, I just cried. And just that piece of it, this is what God feel like, like just that sentence. This is what God feels like. That sentence was so outrageously magnificent to me. And I remember going to Coachella Doc comes out on stage. It's it's just such an epic night. And the stage is lit like an all white, like it's just holy. And these massive screens. And then also the experience of seeing God reflected in his life as someone that was, you know, able to observe his rise and really see him at his starting point, which he was still great in that moment. And, you know, so it's like, when I see someone like Kendrick, when I see the movement of TDE, for me, it's just a constant inspiration to believe in yourself and to activate your highest level of creativity and to never take no for an answer. And so that song to me was also representative of that. And that is the power that I stand in in my 30s. It's that deepening of the spiritual connection. It's seeing God in yourself and in your life and in others, seeing God in all the moments. And it's really, really believing in yourself at the deepest level possible. Now, when we look at God, we talked about affirmations a lot. Think about this one, right? Everything in life is a gamble, but nothing in life I can't handle. Seen it all, done it all, felt pain more. For the cause, I don't put blood on a sword. Everything I do is to embrace y'all. Everything I write is a damn eight ball. Everything I touch is a damn gold mine. Everything I say is from an angel. God. Oh, isn't it exquisite? And as you say that, right, you memorize these lyrics, you're embodying those lines. Everything I say is from an angel, too. And if it's not, then I better fix myself to make it that way. <laughs> you know, I, I better tap into that within myself. Yes. Even hearing you say that and like also just realizing now how much I've always connected to affirmation or affirming words and beliefs. You know, it's interesting because like in this moment in my life, like I don't listen to the radio at all. If I listen to radio, it's like, it's really the soft jazz of the eighties and nineties. Like I I'm in LA now. And so I listen to like coast one of three, but it's really because like, I don't let things speak into my life that don't resonate in my heart. And so the idea of spending mental, emotional, ambient time on drugs or sex it's not relevant to who I am and that's that's the focus of so much so it's even opened me up to exploring music in a whole new way what was the second song that you picked to represent your 30s oh it's so this is the most challenging podcast of all time. I just have to say like, wow. Also, this whole process has been amazing because I have revisited all these songs since we started this process. Okay, so my second song for my 30s, I'm going to go with Solange Cranes in the Sky. That project in that song 
were so right on time for me for where I, I was in that moment in my personal journey and the way that I was observing the world and the way that I was experiencing myself and Solange's project, it was so inspiring to me. You know, she was using her voice and her talent to share herself in such a completely new way, but it wasn't just to share herself in a new way. It was to invite people into the process. And it felt like that project was her really showing people how to be with themselves, how to investigate themselves, how to even trust their creativity. It was just a breathtaking project. I'd always known Solange was so talented and I'd always appreciated a lot of what she offered and shared with the world. Um, and she was always so different in this air of mystery around her, this air of, you know, kind of sometimes it felt like, you know, hidden, hidden genius. And then this project came out and you were just like, wow, I am beholding you in all of your facets. And it was such a special moment and a precursor for what women began to kind of walk into over the next several years. It's one of those projects and one of those songs that is just going to age so beautifully. You know, when you first hear the title, it's like, oh, cranes in the sky. And so I was envisioning, you know, birds, the wing expansion, but then also she meant like those literal construction cranes and what that looks like as it as it breaks your view in the sky and what that means to see both at once. And uh, it was just masterful, masterful. I love this song too. And I especially love it because I think it talks about all the ways we cope, right? Drinking it away, putting one in the air, dancing it away, trying to buy stuff. New dress maybe will make it better. Or maybe I'll work it away. Yeah. But all of that just made me even sadder. Uh Oh, so breathtaking. And it's like the lyrics in that song really illustrate such a deep human awakening. It really illustrates what it is to investigate oneself because everything that she listed in that song are really the go-tos and, and very often how self-care and self-growth has been framed. It's the shadow work. It's the investigation. It's the scene. Where did I think I was showing up for myself, but I was actually sabotaging, you know? And I think those lyrics so beautifully illustrate how literally any and everything can be a tool of avoidance if we allow it to be. Even the stuff that is what we're pushed towards using as a tool, anything in our lives misused can limit us and can be ourselves. All right, so we talked about God. We talked about Cranes in the Sky. Why do you think those two songs speak so well to your 30s? What do you think they represent? You know, the way that I'm experiencing my 30s, it's such a deepening of self. When you're younger, you hear at every age group, everyone's talking, it only gets better, or it's better, and you you really know yourself at this age. Oh, you really love yourself at this age, all right? There's always more. There's always more available to us in how we experience ourselves, and I think for me, my 30s have represented the absolute deepest depths of my ability to love myself and accept myself, of my ability to be my own healer, and of my ability to be just a massive manifester and co-creator with God for my highest vision. And so, 
you know, the themes of both of those songs for me speak to what I'm actively in process of in my 30s, which is being in active pursuit of and surrender to and in gratitude for God. And also being this majestic, constant work in process and just being at peace with that and seeing the beauty in my crane, seeing the beauty in my construction and deconstruction and seeing the beauty in and really realizing and understanding, I think, that there are no limits, that there are truly no limits to who we can be, how we can heal, what we can be, how we can show up. And I think both of those songs just thematically really speak to that. You know, I think in my 30s, I'm looking for supportive music. I'm looking for music that actually illustrates what my life is or what I aspire for it to be or tools that are those like those mantras or those affirmations, like songs that are accompaniments for my literal journey, my real experiences in this moment. When I'm looking at your entire playlist, I see that throughout, really with the exception of maybe one or two songs. You just see that throughout. You have always been drawn to affirmations, it seems. This has been such a cool process of even self-investigation. Like I was so stressed out coming up with these songs on this. Like I was literally like, how am I going to know how to talk about this stuff with the king of this? And then I sat down and it, it, like this, this whole process has actually also been therapy and it's been a spiritual gift because I am re-meeting the versions of myself hearing the songs that I heard at those ages, but now hearing them through my current ears and, and having like an even deeper reflection and, and also a grace because much to what you just said, I'm noticing like, wow, ever since you were a young person, a child, like you were seeking things to nourish yourself, to learn in the midst of all the other things. Cause there's some misogyny in there. There's some, like a lot of experiences I knew and know nothing about, of songs that, you know, I enjoyed, but then also, you know, there was balance, there was balance. And I remember one of your podcast episodes about like talking to your younger self and being as kind and caring to your little Debbie as you are to your son. Doing this for myself, I related to that because it was almost like I was driving around because that's how I did my playlist. Like I did my playlist and I drove around with it. And it felt like a younger version of me was in the backseat the entire time. And I was having a conversation about, oh, this is what you were into. You know why I think you were into this? Because, (laughs) and I was just like having that kind of moment internally uh, reflecting on the younger version of me. And and it sounds like you had a similar experience kind of talking to yourself about these songs and, and having that conversation with a younger Debbie about, this is why you like Gotta Be. And this is why you liked baby don't cry I, and this i love like that the dopest podcast ever like this is the coolest thing like it's and that's what i love about you like your duality is so fire because like your background too you are an educator you're a teacher like you but in all the ways like you know how to show up for young people you know how to show for adults you know how to communicate with people based on what will bring certain things out of them like you have this deeply spiritual predictive understanding about people and their process and it's so cool like this is just like (laughs) you and I have talked on like separate occasions so many times about like 
the power of storytelling and the power, like the real power of hip hop as a tool for sharing life lessons. And like this, this process of even preparing to do the show with you, like deepened my understanding of that. This has been so freaking cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. And as you know, we're, we're reflections of each other, you know, as human beings. And, and so what you see in that, I, I see in you. Let's talk about the playlist. So you got Gotta Be, you got Ain't No Fun, Baby Don't Cry, If You Stay Ready, uh, It's Your World, My Immortal, uh, Diamonds, All I Want Is You, God, Cranes in the Sky. When you look back at all of that, what do you think this playlist says about you about who you are, about what your spirit's drawn to? Well, I mean, <laughs> it might say a few things. <laughs> um, mm, you know, I think that this playlist, it's a reflection of being a multidimensional, multi-hyphenate woman and all the kind of ways that one opens themselves to that. And also the imperfection in that, you know, it's like, even though we kind of, you know, went through my reasoning for it, it's like, yeah, my, I have an, a playlist that's filled with powerful affirmations. It also has ain't no fun. It also has, you know, sugar-free. It has some, it has some grit to it, it has some process of ways that I both understood, but also misunderstood who I was at different ages. And, you know, so I think that this playlist hopefully, you know, really reflects just the fullness of one's life and all the different roads and adventures it takes you on. And I think it really showcases that growth, that learning, that love. It's not this linear process. It really is that like ebb and flow and, you know, deep in the valleys to the top of the mountain. It's this roller coaster of an experience. There's loops to it. So I think my playlist reflects that. I'm proud of this playlist. I will be jamming this playlist. This was the fourth episode of My Years Through My Ears. Special thanks to Devi for sharing her story here. Please check out her work with Chopra and listen to her Dropping Gems podcast, which honestly lives up to its name. The theme song for this series was provided by Atmosphere. The song that you're hearing is called Anybody That I've Known, and it was used with permission from Slug, Ant, and Romsayers Entertainment. Additional music was created for this podcast by Chase Moore. Tune in soon for a new episode. Like, subscribe, and do whatever else podcast hosts usually ask for. I'm sure it's all very helpful. Until next time, peace. Or as my son likes to say, Peace out. Can we talk about some honorable mentions? Yes. Okay, let's do it. I want, and people need to know why this was so hard. Go ahead. Let's share your honorable mentions. Okay. So for my preteens, the honorable mentions, the songs that were so hard to figure out, that I added in the list are also Tupac, Picture Me Rollin', because it's one of my favorite Pac songs of all time. It's also one of the first records that I remember learning everyone's part and cadence by heart. And so I was really proud of that. Also, Tony, 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 Let's Get Down 
love that song. Production is epic. And Raphael Sadiq is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite artists that have ever existed in life. I love everything he touches. So that song to me was just so creatively different from everything. So I was super drawn to it. Um, Tupac, Me Against the World. You know, even saying that, it makes me realize, like, I was a really deep kid. Like, I was very investigative. And I don't know why I felt like the world was against me as, you know, a young person at that age. But I related to that song, to that feeling of maybe not being fully understood or fully seen. And then another record, this is preteens. It didn't come out while I was in my preteens, but it's a song that I loved, which was um, Lisa Stansfield, Been Around the World. Been around the world and I, 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 I can't find my baby. Love that song. That is actually the very first song I ever learned by heart. I was in preschool and I remember the day it came on through the speakers in my preschool and I sung along to it and I was very proud of myself and I was hoping the teachers noticed. So that is my preteens honorable mentions list. All right. So your early teens, what were your honorable mentions here? My honorable mentions for my early teens are also Isley Brothers' Voyage to Atlantis. That was probably 25 years before I was born. However, um, I remember first discovering that song or hearing it and being so drawn to the songwriting and just drawn to their description of love. You know, when I think about some of these songs, what really comes forward too is how often the songs we were shaped what we thought we were going to experience in adult life or how illustrated for us how a feeling would feel that we'd never felt. And so that's kind of how I think of like love and romance. And and in that song, it's like one of the coldest lines ever. It's like, you know, he's like, set sail with me to a paradise out beyond the sea. What? Where is that? Where are we going, sir? It felt so like esoteric and so ethereal, you know? So I was I was really drawn to that kind of illustration of love languaging. Mm. Um, another thing in my honorary list is Tupac to Live and Die in LA. That song came out at about that time. Um, I believe I was 10 or 11 when Pac passed away. And so that record... Um, It came out, I believe, soon after he died when that album was released. And that was also the midst of L.A. uh, LA hip hop just really owning the world and also beef. You know, I I remember vividly Snoop on stage with Suge at that time talking about y'all don't y'all don't mess with death row, you know, and I remember. (laughs) Let it be known then. Let it be known. Um, And I remember at the time. I thought I was a part of that beef as well. So (laughs) when I heard to live and die in LA as a preteen, I was like, that's right. Like anybody from New York can get it. Anybody can catch this fade. This is LA. Um, And so that I felt very active with that song. And so that made the list. Plus, you know, the intro, the street science are on air. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. That, because again, you know, radio for me as a young person was such a significant, important part of my young life. And I remember vividly 
street science. I remember it was a community action show that really brought about change in a community. Dominique DePrima was the host. And that was her voice on the show. And that was her taking callers and street science, you're on the air. So so what do you think about this beef between East and West? Oh, I love LA. You know, just like that, like, I don't even know if there's a more LA feeling song than that one. It really illustrated that moment in time, listening to music. Right, but but don't you feel like it creates tension between... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that moment in time. Jeez. Another song on the list was Jagged Edge, I Gotta Be. And that one really relates for me again to like this understanding of how love would feel and love would be. And I just love that record. I listen to that record quite often, even now. I listen to all of these songs pretty often. And the last song for honorable mention in my early teens was The Light by Common. Common was the soundtrack for a lot for me as a young person. And especially in LA, like, you know, with him being from Chicago, I didn't at least feel, and also there was not internet then in this way. And so it's not like we were very connected to the experiences of like other cities or how they flowed with life or how their melodies evolved, how they listened. LA has such a specific kind of sound, especially because we do have year round good weather. We ride out in our cars. That's how we listen to music. Windows down. It's a whole different feeling. So we have so much bounce and so much melody. And then like this song, when I think about like hearing Chicago rap and hearing what he was talking about, I was really so connected to the depth, you know, to the meaning in that song, to the other ways of expressing, you know, there's a light that shines special for you and me. It's also that song really kicked off my love of finding samples you know, that song, it's originally Bobby Caldwell, Open Your Eyes, which is now one of my favorite songs of all time that I found from finding the sample from Common. I love the layering of that song. I love the messaging. I love the sampling. It was just fire. And it felt so honest, like a real love letter. You know, like, I'll tell you the rest when I see you. Mm. <laughs> Great Dick-a-da, way to end all right, so coming of age. Lauren Hill, Mystery of Inequity, that entire project, MTV Unplugged. It was a double disc album. You know, I, I really am so unclear why this album is not talked about more to this day. You know, we always talk about the miseducation of Lauren Hill, which is iconic, you know, and people are always like, oh, well, she had like one big body of work. And I'm like, how do we not talk about the greatness? That was MTV Unplugged, this live album of her, you know, really standing in the rawness of who she was in that moment and how she was unpacking her life and understanding herself. And, you know, it's not, it's not talked about how profound that album was. And especially through the lens of this is a woman who was the most famous female artist of that time off of this, you know, significant Grammy win who then also disappeared And when you hear that album, you're really hearing her train of thought and her deprogramming from, you know, these societal belief systems and from ego. And, you know, reflecting on that now, like I I first came to that project my freshman year of high school when I moved into the dorms. It had already been out, but I had discovered it then. And 
it just felt like an expander. It felt like such an expander, but the mystery of iniquity, especially like really getting to the core of why we see things the way we do, why we believe things the way we do, how to start that conversation of self-inquiry with oneself, you know, it was a master class in self-discovery. You can't handle the truth in a courtroom with lies. I mean, who hops on a track like that? What? Her on stage with her guitar also riffing so much of this and also allowing it to be imperfect, but knowing how substantial it was like, what? That's how I strive to move through the world, knowing how substantial I am, but also not being afraid to be imperfect in each moment as long as I stand in my truth. Another song in coming of age on my honorable mention list was Guapale Closer. That was another song that really expanded me um, while I was in the early years of in college and Guapale rep in the Bay Area. That was also a time of like Bay Area music expansion. It was huge. The hyphy movement, you know, just so many Bay Area rappers coming to the forefront nationally. And that song, it's a song of affirmation. It's the song of self-acceptance of making peace with oneself and, and one's journey of seeing the higher vision, the bigger picture for your life. Closer to my dreams. I'm going higher and higher and higher closer to my dreams. And so, you know, as someone who really at that time, I was just becoming an adult. I couldn't see what the full picture was for my life. I didn't know how all the things worked out, but you knew that the build was happening and it was coming and it was growing and it was also out of your control. And so I just remember feeling like, who can I become? Who am I being called to become? Another song on my honorables list is Miss Dynamite a little deeper. This was roughly 2003 when I remember first falling in love with her projects and um, two of her albums that she had out at the time. And I learned both albums by heart. The words of the song felt so beautiful, but also so on time for that moment in my life of, I was graduating high school. I was getting ready to start whatever this next step in adult life is going to be. And it was just, just beautiful, beautiful. And then the last song on my coming of age list is Ying Yang Twins, the Whisper song. <laughs> hey, little mama, let me whisper in here. Yo, the reason I put that song is that for me, it was such a moment in time. This is when ATL was also coming on the scene. So Little John, Eastside Boys, Ying Yang Twins, that was the soundtrack of my summer going into college. Had my fake ID. I was in the clubs. Those were the records. But especially that's the last real time that I remember waiting for the radio to introduce me to something that that song had come out. No one had ever heard anything like it. It is a song of people whispering to a type of melody and a type of, a type of concept that I hadn't experienced in LA yet. And I remember everyone would be like, did you hear that song of people whispering? And I was like, what are you talking? How do I even conceptualize that? What do you mean? And I remember for a week, waiting by the radio, hoping it would play so I could know what everyone was talking about. I didn't have cable at the time. So I had to sit by my boom box and wait. And I'll never forget, I happened to be at a house party and 
the song came on and I started freaking out and I was like, this is the song everyone's been talking about. So I like ran to the, I ran to the stereo, the five disc changer stereo, and I turned it up and I was like, oh, this is it. So just, it even reminded me of that patience we used to have for music, that patience Mm. for discovery, you know, like Mm. soon after that is when everyone's like, oh, you ain't up on that yet. Cause you didn't hear it within the first 10 minutes. Right. (laughs) So yeah, I love that. Love that song for that. Love it. What about your 20s? What were your honorable mentions for your 20s? The honorable mentions are successful Drake and Trey songs. In my 20s at that time, I had just got my first full-time radio gig. So I had been moved up from first being an intern, then being a producer, then being promotions coordinator and doing weekend shifts to at that time, I had become the youngest female music director in the top 10 in the country. And I remember actively trying to get the people at my radio station to believe that Drake was a star and he had his project. It was just, um, you know, it was this mixtape. It had come out and people were not up on it within a year. The world changed and music changed. And obviously he is still, he will go down as probably the biggest hip hop artist of all time in a multitude of ways. But at that time it wasn't there. And people were like, who is this guy? You would Google him and one photo came up. There was no information. I had never in my life heard of Degrassi or seen it. Again, I grew up without cable. So when I heard that song, when I heard that whole project, I just instantly knew everything has changed. Music will never be the same. And that song, especially just because of the content and the messaging really spoke to me in that moment in time. Another record on honorable mention, Kanye West, Paranoid. Uh, it always and heartbreak to me was a revolutionary project as well. And I remember in that moment, especially, uh, I had my very first interview with Kanye. No, it wasn't. I take that back. I had my second interview with Kanye to 808s and it was just such a different sound and it ushered in such a new wave of sounds in such a substantial way. And paranoid is funny because when I heard that record, I legitimately thought it was me laughing at the beginning of it even though I was not hanging out with Kanye, but to me, it sounded like my voice. And I was like, was that from our interview? That sounds like me. Um, It wasn't, but I loved that song. Another record for my twenties, honorable mention schoolboy Q blessed. (sighs) I listen to that all the time. Still one of my favorite, 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 favorite records of all time. I think it's such an important record and it really brought me a tremendous amount of peace um, in a very chaotic moment in my life, honorable mention, Jamie Foxx, Blame It. That was such a massive hit. I was in the clubs at that time. I was probably out at different events, different listening parties, all of that, probably six days out of seven in each week. And I just remember that song, Saturated Radio, so crazy. Also, one of my, I also put it on the list because it was one of my biggest blunders. I was a music director at that time. I'm in a meeting with the label. They play that record to me. And I was like, this one, isn't it? This one, it's, it's his biggest hit. Like it, it was a massive hit for the time. Blame it on the alcohol. And I heard this song. I was like, this is silly. He's just being silly. Like this isn't a hit. A smash. Ate my words. A smash. I played that song all day, every day. And 
and then the last two more songs on honorable mention jay-z successful american gangster is my favorite jay-z album that song to me is masterful and nipsey hustle hustle in the house because bullet ain't got no names volume two is my favorite favorite nipsey mixtape and he and I were just really close at the time that that project was out. And so it was, it was a really substantial part of my life and I knew the whole project and I still know it by heart and I love Nipsey so much. So that was uh, really powerful. What were your honorable mentions for your thirties? Honorable mentions for my thirties. Touch my body by Sophie Galay. I believe it's her last name. I discovered her through someone's story after I was looking for another record on Selection and I heard that song and I just thought, wow, this young woman is powerful. She has a beautiful voice. Her songwriting is amazing. And that song is about getting to know yourself as a woman. That song is about feeling in love with your body. That song is about really being clear on the kind of partner you want in your life and what you're looking for. And it's deep. It's about physical connection, about mental connection, about soul connection. And when I saw that she was so young, I, I was just so inspired, you know, and I thought, wow, women having the ability to hear music like this as young women is something I wish I had had. It's perspective I never even knew was available. So I love that song. I really enjoy her. Redbone by Childish Gambino is on that list. Uh, the first time I heard it, never heard anything like it. Also, Childish Gambino is epically talented in so many ways. He is good at everything. He is so creatively inspiring. And that song to me is representative of that. Before it became a smash, I remember hearing it and being like, whoa, what the hell was that? And then like searching for it like crazy and listening to it repetitively. Um, when I wrote my book, Crystal Bliss, I had six songs that I would just listen to nonstop for my writing process for months every day. And that was one of the songs. Um, optimistic sounds of blackness. That song I first heard as a child, but I really deepened my connection to that song in my thirties. And it's for my writing process for months every day. And that was one of the songs optimistic sounds of blackness. That song I first heard as a child, but I really deepened my connection to that song in my thirties. And it's a song that really aided me at the top of the pandemic. It's something I would listen to all day just to really build my spirit and remind me of what was possible. Part two on the run, Jay-Z and Beyonce. My favorite collaboration for them both. When that song came out, I tweeted about it constantly. I remember I was like, this is one of the most incredible, incredible collaborations I've ever heard. And I would tweet about it so often that Jay-Z ended up following me for one day. I think he saw the tweet and accidentally clicked follow, but he didn't follow anyone. So I ended up getting like a lot of attention that day because people were like, he follows one person and it was me for the day. And then the next day it was Joe Budden. And I was like, oh man, Jay-Z or his team must be looking at people's responses to his songs or, you know, I just happened to be found in the algorithm. But I, I was tweeting about how how important I thought that song was. And mm. so, you know, a little piece of me in my dreams wants to take credit for maybe 
aiding and inspiration for building out that, you know, their first world tour together. (laughs) But I love that song. And then the last song in my 30s honorable mention is Bourbon by Gallant. It's a song that really allowed me to fall in love with new R&B again. It's, mm. It kind of set me on my discovery of what is some of the new rhythmic storytelling being told by artists that I'm not naturally hearing on the radio. And I was just like, holy crap, there's so much amazing music out there. 